0: Welcome everybody to another edition of my uh, podcast and today we are taking a not a different tack, just an interesting um, route because I have been in the brigade historically that has said um, it's dead, um, so I'm delighted to welcome uh, Jerry Hill from Connects and Sell who describes himself as a recovering CRO, unapologetic salesperson, passionate about your early pipeline, uh and a few other things jerry and i's path crossed uh in the salesborgs and it's been fascinating looking at those conversations that have un, unfurled there and then i've actually been um well they didn't really get very far but uh, hosted hosted no Chaired? i don't know cold calling conversation the cold calling competition so i will shut up jeremy um jeremy jerry uh who what why when where what, what's your back what's your background what's connect all us all and sell all about and let's get into this
1: um Background a bit like you, Alexander X, blue suit wearing, red tie, red brace wearing recruiter into finance and accountancy. <laughs> Peating shots Robert Half versus Michael Page. Um, then made the sort of typical transition smart recruiters seem to make, which is out of recruitment and into differentiated, value added B two B companies, software mm-hmm. services, professional services, management consulting. Um, Failed CRO, successful CRO in hyper growth and early stage companies, ran a turnaround business for a while and uh, realized I wasn't a particularly good, gifted managing director of my own destiny and, and you know, now work inside of Connect and Cell, which was for me a transformational weapon for the, the companies I built and the teams that I led. So Connect and Sell, we solved for the number one frustration for salespeople today, which is reducing time spent navigating phone directory switchboards speaking to gatekeepers and admins and delivering like uber on-demand conversations with name prospects that you want to speak to in your market
0: awesome so you were a connect and sell customer before you then went to work with um uh, connect and sell
1: absolutely three and a half years man and boy
0: perfect so let's call it how it is jerry hill is cold calling dead in much the same way as email's dead,
1: as social's dead, as gifting's dead, as writing letters are dead. Everything's dead.
0: <laughs> everything's dead. Um, everything's, dead. <laughs> if everything's dead. Everything's dead. How do we start conversations with people?
1: <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, no, I mean, it, it depends on your moral compass and what you feel works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the big issue is feeling over fact is often the one thing that seems to govern a lot of leaders today. Um, and a lot of leaders seem to be governed by what their people tell them. Mm-hmm. So companies make these big assumptions and even bigger bets on channel, channel of choice. Um, but unless you do something really well and you make it relevant, everything's dead. And I think we work, work in an automation world now, which is asking people to almost be a bit lazy and not think yep. and not deliver value in conversations or deliver value in email or deliver value in LinkedIn or deliver value in X, Y, Z. So the debate then rages, I had success in email. So the only thing that can work for me today is email. Cold calling must be dead because I've had some success in the channel. Mm -hmm. But did you try the other thing for long enough to get any evidence that it's dead or do you just operate off an instinct? And I think that that's the big, sort of collision point that we see in the selling industry today the selling of sales industry Mm -hmm. is just this very myopic one-eyed view on the thing that works for me not actually taking into consideration the other stuff so you get camps and polarization as a result when actually if you just do a lot of something really well using every channel you can measure it have some success across all of it and then figure out what your strategy needs to be People just aren't investing time and effort into that part of the process.
0: I think that's a really interesting, you know, a lovely. You and you do have a very lovely turn of phrase. I love your the, the narrative we see on the on, on the board chat. It's you know feeling feeling over, over fact. And why do we? If I try to unpack that in my head, I mean, why do we think that is? Is that is that because we have the big brands out there, you know, pumping the research papers down our throats? You know, in terms of my technology can. Change the way that you 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 do things is it because we have experts out there um, and I fall in that camp um, in terms of what I you know what, what I talk about and what I see um, around what works and what what doesn't work um, is it an age thing? Because if I go back to you know yes wearing the red braces and the flappy shoes and the uh, the, the the highlights of my my Michael Page days when it was literally the only way that you, you, you could make a conversation. And it was pretty simple. The more calls you make, the more people you're, you're gonna connect with, the more people you connect with, the more likely you'll have a conversation, the more likely you have a conversation, the more likely you've got something to sell. And that still remains true um, today, I guess. Is it is it part of this X factor, kind of fame in 15 minutes type sort of thing? I want it now and if I can't get it now, I'm gonna try something different or it, it doesn't work, do you think?
1: I mean, there's automation for everything, right? But there are certain automations which automate things that aren't actually difficult. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are going to take the path of least resistance and automate the things that they don't find is difficult. But the big problem with that is it creates a psychological disconnect between this idea that I do something once and have technology deliver it for me, yeah, versus me doing it a lot of times. And there's cognitive dissonance if I send 500 automated LinkedIn messages or 500 automated. Emails. I'm probably counting that as 500 things that I did. No, I did it once, yeah. and I had somebody else or something else do it 500 times for me. And it's a bit like the old old, old spice ad, you know, where the guy's running down the beach and he's suddenly on a horse, and everything just seems so easy. Yeah, I think that's what the engagement platforms and the automation tools and everything else that you can buy today in selling mm-hmm. ultimately are delivering, failing to deliver on, but are promising. I think with calling, it's still hard. You can automate as much of it as you want, but unless you've got a desire to have conversations with people, then you're not gonna be very good at it. And I say that as somebody that sells millions of dials and hundreds of thousands of conversations to my market every single year. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people just don't like it because they don't enjoy the process of speaking to complete strangers. And that's why cold calling is always going to be such a contentious topic for so many people. Yeah. That feeling that it gives them. It's probably an issue that's wrong with selling today. You still need to hold a perspective, a position. You've still got a right to sell. You've still got a right to try and influence and persuade. But I think we've moved so far down the personalization engagement narrative that people have forgotten that. And then it all becomes about the buyer, the buyer, the buyer. Sometimes the buyer doesn't know what's good for them.
0: Yeah.
1: If you don't have the mindset to reach out and tell them what's good for them, then you're going to hate cold calling. <laughs> if you're still having to go in and invade somebody's time, space and day in a very visceral way, you're doing it in email, by the way. Yeah. You can't get immediate feedback. You can't hang up on me in an email. You can't tell me that I'm a bottom feeder in an email. You can't tell me that there should be more honorable ways to make a living in an email that takes real concerted effort, whereas in an ambush phone call, it takes zero effort. So if I'm a modern rep, who's probably been
0: told that my feelings matter, then yeah, it's going to be a bruising experience. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's an interesting one. If I look back again to my, my page days and the per, you know, the personalization back, in, you know, back in the day didn't exist because it was only relevance. How did I know that this sales director, or HR director probably would, well, had a problem because i could see they were hiring a job I'm like you're advertising a job there so i've got somebody that i think might help so you know it wasn't personalized it was just relevant to that situation because i can see that you have a need and i think i've got the solution to to that need and they didn't didn't really care in terms of you know the oh i saw that you're connected to this or i've seen that you've done that now i recognize that in today in some instances that that plays that plays a part but what is it that then is it that the cold calling isn't, you know, isn't dead? It's just fundamentally, to your point, the, the aspect of making a cold call, some people can do and some people can't. End off. <laughs> yeah, but I also think it's like anything in life, you sort of fail to prepare, you prepare to
1: fail, right? So, you know, great calls, great conversations you need to have structures, they need to be scripted, they need to have a methodology applied, mm-hmm. they need to have coaching and tonality and a whole bunch of other things to manufacture them to work but we don't expect that of people anymore. So most people are gonna pick up the phone and no, not know what to say. That's right. the first thing that, that cripples most people. Now, if you don't know what to say and I get you on the end of the phone, we're gonna have a very uncomfortable 20 minutes together mm-hmm. if I can create a conversation that lasts that long, which I can't. Um, and then there's a massive Delta, which I can show you a methodology which will work for you. I can show you a structure which has been proven to work time and time again, because we get 89% conversation acceptance. You know, we get 12% conversion from this structure. Will you use it? No. Why? Oh, it doesn't feel natural to me. Well, the whole act of calling a stranger and speaking to a stranger feels unnatural. Why do you need to make it any more natural? And you end up in this sort of pull push tension constantly about actually trying to get people to execute really well. But here's the thing. Most people don't seem to realize what it can do for them. All right. Some truth bombs. People measure trust in bits of information.
0: Yeah. The
1: human voice carries tens of thousands of bits of information. An email carries 5,000 bits of information. For me to manufacture the same amount of trust in an email exchange, I need to send about 200 emails versus the one one minute conversation I can have with you today. But we want to bury ourselves behind it. Emails open to misinterpretation. Yeah. Voice isn't. Um, we see the conversion data. You know, a high-performing script can convert to meeting far in excess of some of the most high-performing email sequences you're ever going to see. Um, everybody complains about LinkedIn automation today. You know, the the invite and pitch. <laughs> So, you know, find, find a mechanism which works, but most people are too lazy and you know, it comes back down to professionalisation of sales and tribes and mm-hmm. quick wins and that. I don't know anybody in their career, regardless of which camp channel methodology you stand in, who's
0: ever found a quick win. It's an impossible it's- task. It's yeah, uh, it, it, and that's the thing. Uh, you know, if I if, if I'd have found it, um, then you know I wouldn't be sitting here today in terms of you know having the, having this conversation with you because we'd be a very rich person because you'd have you'd have found that that silver bullet. And as we all know, sales is bloody hard work. It is it is not an easy um, oh, yeah. a, a, an easy task in, in any shape or form. So. I think that's interesting, you know, and again, it's I, I love listening to you and talking to you. You always make me think around things a different way, and around you know voice in terms of how voice can build trust. And look at what's happening with Clubhouse right now. Fireside's coming out, and the whatever the Twitter one that's coming out, and where that's going to play in this space, I'm, I'm still I'm still to be um, uh, to be convinced. And yes, you can convey tone and voice in in the written word, but very few people actually have that skill be able to do that in a way that you can do that still feels um feels human so and you know looking again i remember you and this is the interesting thing about kind of research but it was that mckinsey piece that you that you shared which kind of caught my attention is that they looked at 40,000 deals and it was 82 percent of those high performers so the old-fashioned telephone call was more superior at getting someone's um, attention. Now that was US weighted data, you know, the European data was slightly uh was slightly uh lower, but it's it is interesting out there that out of 40 you know, forty thousand deals is is a that's a decent number statistically, empirically, to go if 82% of those deals were initiated by a cold call, um something's working right. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's about what what's the objective though? A lot of people are so short-minded about the
1: runway to success on an outbound program, regardless Mm -hmm. of your channel. good friend of mine, Sean Sees, put it really eloquently to me the other day, and I think he published this on LinkedIn. If somebody doesn't give me a runway of 18 to 36 months to execute this strategy, I don't want to participate in the strategy. Okay? If we look at B2B services more broadly, right, Chet Holmes, The Economist, writes really well on this. You've got a buyer's pyramid. Mm-hmm. B2B, the displacement cycle is normally about three years for a service or a product. But innovation is probably even less, right? Mm-hmm. You've got 3% that are in market any quarter that are looking to buy something proactively that looks like something you or I can do for them. Yeah. That's very, very, very short odds. <laughs> Take into account the entire competitive landscape, some of whom might have engaged significantly earlier than you. Mm-hmm the opportunity to actually win that 3% is minimal. Yeah. You then layer in your own win rate and your own sales process, 15% to 3% suddenly becomes even less. Mm-hmm. What's the actual goal of Outbound? It's to book meetings with people that are inherently curious. Yeah. Now, that then takes us into a sorting mechanism. If I think about it in Harry Potter context, whole called is the ultimate sorting hat for your market. Yeah. Because you're going to get Immediate visceral outcomes. You're going to get a no, not now. I'm not ready. But give me yeah. a call back in three months. No, not me. I'm not the right person in my organization, but Sue, mm-hmm. it's two jobs above me, she'll find this really relevant. And yes, you can tell her that I told you to call her. Yeah. All right. No, not never. They're going to be in that 30% of the market that will never buy anything because they just aren't geared for it. Autumn, disqualify out hard. Um, no not you I've heard bad things about you and the company reputationally I'm not going to work with you because I'm happy with my existing vendor that's a no not you and then lastly yes I'll take the meeting I've never seen and I used to be a bit of an email junkie I've never seen email execute that level of sorting on my market for me yeah because it takes physical energy for a prospect to email me back Whereas in a 27 second or a minute conversation or a two minute 38 conversation, I can acquire that information and turn it back into something useful for my business, either in terms of marketing, nurture, follow up, referral, or the meeting. But only if I could have a lot of those, please. That's that's the real friction and why most people hate cold calling. Because they hate being sat there strapped to a phone doing this fifteen times an hour. One conversation every ninety minutes. Four conversations a week. We're asking super skilled salespeople to become five dollar an hour phone operators. Yeah. yeah. So what's know. easy? Go and send an email. What's yeah. easy? Go and put something on LinkedIn and yeah. count the likes. But none of that stuff's about action.
0: So yeah. that's, that's where the tension exists, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I and I think that it's it's. I, I agree, with you and I believe, you know, So social, I actually, and anybody that follows me knows that I, I hate the term social selling. I just think it's just selling for the 21st century. And social is a part of that channel in terms of your prospecting, your prospecting routes to potentially start a conversation with, as is email, as is picking up the phone, as is carrier pigeon. I don't really care what, you know, what works. And it always comes back to, you know, challenging clients. What are you actually trying to do here? What's the, what's the, what's the intended outcome here? What's the actual end goal in terms of what you're trying to achieve? The amazing amount of organizers don't really understand that themselves. It's nice. like, well, this and that. Well, okay, well, if you can't even understand what the where you're trying to get to, then we can't really just start a conversation on whether this is even the right thing for you. Now, of course, we find ourselves in an interesting world currently in terms of you know the world of virtual. And you're seeing kind of, again, all the research papers coming out going digital, digital, this, this, and that, and that. But at the end of the day, it's a human conversation Is 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 a human conversation. And without that, you're never going to be able to you know, move forwards. Yes, I'm seeing, you know, again, McKinsey saying that um, organisations based on research they did over the summer, I'm guessing around the same time that the piece of research that you you put up, that some buyers are now prepared to spend upwards of a million dollars contract value in a completely end-to-end virtual virtual cycle. It's like, okay, that then presents an interesting conundrum in my view for the sales the, 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 the salesperson of tomorrow, if you will. Where, where do you, where do you, and I know there is no kind of answer to this, but, you know, based on obviously what Connects and Sell are, are doing, which is, you know, you enable calls to happen at scale. So you are getting those connect rates much, much um, higher rather than somebody being sat there and kind of strapped to the phone. But what's Connects and you know, where where do we think this may go in the next five years or so around this in terms of calls, Zooms, social, clubhouse, I don't know. I think
1: there's there's probably a master convergence play, right? And you know, the macro of the industry within the next eighteen months, we're going to start seeing a massive consolidation boom and an M&A boom being driven by two very distinct camps. Yeah. The Microsoft camp. There's going to be a Salesforce camp. There might be a third challenger somewhere out there. Maybe it'll be an independent alliance of some sort. Mm -hmm. But you can imagine this hierarchy. Salesforce are going to buy Outreach. Yeah. Outreach are going to buy a data provider like Cognizant, mm-hmm. They're then going to buy a parallel dialer. They're then going to buy a time trade or a Calendly or something. Yeah. And they'll, they'll then try to find an integrated cross-sell proposition to enhance corporate value whilst yeah. consolidating the entire stack. Mm-hmm. Then down the Microsoft stack, you can already see it playing out. Okay. LinkedIn strategic investor in sales loft.
0: Yeah.
1: Microsoft acquires LinkedIn. Yeah.
0: You'll
1: probably see the first, data seeded CRM starting to come to market in the next two to three years. Mm -hmm. So you start to see this consolidation happening down these lines. Um, What's the big issue with that? You've got companies like Zoom Info who've taken on billions of dollars of debt in order to fund an IPO without any real inherent corporate value attached to the due diligence. You've got... The sales engagement platforms raising mega rounds and becoming billion dollar companies with owner dilution of equity being so significant that they're just debt vehicles. And then you've got ultimately cheap valuation as a result, which is going to make these acquisitions really t- easy to achieve because where the founders and the operators and the VCs then got to turn. Mm-hmm. So it's actually going to cheapen the sales stack, which is sad because it's the great force multiplier for business if they know how to consider it and consolidate it and use that capability really well. But we're 10 years behind MarTech and in the UK, we're four to five years on adoption behind the U S so yeah. it's a fascinating paradigm that we're all experiencing at the moment. Um, what the number one goal, I still don't see it from the majority of chief revenue officers I speak to because they don't think about things from a cost and science point of view. Alex. Yeah. Um, I have a necessary cost in my business, which is I have salespeople that are costing me $400 a day. Mm -hmm. They're going to do the things that they're going to do. But if I can reduce that necessary cost from $10 a unit of activity to $1.50 a unit of activity, I still think the investment required to make that happen seems expensive. Whereas if I speak to a CMO... They're happy to consolidate that necessary cost of doing business at ten dollars a unit mm-hmm. and try and collapse it to one dollar fifty because they're striving for revenue attribution. So you've got two slices of technology spend that do converge around the same goal, being bought by two different groups of people with two very different line items of budget attached. The CMO has more than the VP of Sales, and the CRO has a lot less. And marketing still hasn't cracked attribution yet so why do they get more money it's nuts like the whole thing is so perverse and i work deeply in the industry and i get to say that because i sit there tearing my last remaining hair out every day because the lack of logic just smacks me in the face half yeah the it's it,
0: the attribution half. piece you're so right i just sit there when people i've had you know I, you know the sales enablement person large tech companies will remain nameless which kind of challenged me around social selling and sales navigator and kind of proved to me this works and i just said to him well prove to me cold calling works prove to me email marketing works prove to me any of it works he goes what do you mean i said if you're not attributing sales conversations and meetings in a crm system you can't prove any of it right. and he kind of sat there and went a bit quiet and went huh never really thought about it from that point of view and i'm thinking how much money are you spending on stuff yeah. And you don't even know that it's it's working. It, you know, To your point around the consolidation piece. So the interesting conversation with Seth Mars from Forrester around their take on, on guided selling, which is exactly kind of what you you talked about. It's this consolidation, of the sales and marketing stack, AI technology, bring this all together to the point that, you know, you will have the data points. You'll know where the three percent is. You'll know where they are in the buying, in theory, where they are in the buying cycle. You'll know who to talk to, when to talk to them about what. But I, I, my sense is that we're just not, <clears throat> as a community, we're just not ready for it. Because nice. it's, it's going to be so far ahead of us that we're struggling to, you know, how do I work Zoom? How do I get, you know, how do I work OneNote on Microsoft, let alone, you know, having awesome tech like, the, like you know, that you have, then you layer that with someone else. And then it's like, well, if you're a CRO, maybe you'll be sitting there going, why do I even need an SDR? Why do I even need this person if it's going to be that automated? But does this then, fit in with what the buyer actually wants. And I, I do agree with you. Sometimes the buyer doesn't know what they want, but one has to also kind of understand that there is an expectation between them and us around what they want that journey to be, journey, if you will.
1: But the only way asynchronous or guided selling works is if you've got a complete colouring book filled in yep. between the lines of every single part of the customer journey. And my fear is at the moment, the AI products are only taking into account the email and the actual buying process once yep. somebody's engaged. You know, Jiminy, Gong, Chorus, Refract, Exec Vision, they can all capture the intelligence from the downstream discovery to close part of the sales process. And Sales Loft, Salesforce, Outreach, Microsoft Dynamics, they can capture the record taking yep. and email engagement part of the process. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it's completely blind. And we're asking for salespeople to self-report on that activity and salespeople inherently lie about what they do every day. (laughs) You know, I was very good at my job in recruitment, but I had a dickhead manager who just loved the KPI story. Yeah. Didn't matter how well I was doing, how margin intense my temp book was. None of it. Yeah. So I spent Friday afternoons dialing the talking clock those of you old enough to remember we all did right <laughs> my mum my dad yeah. my mates to make plans for that weekend yeah they
0: were logged as activities yeah cv's out friday afternoon quick who can i who can i send a cv to so get the stats yeah. up No, <laughs> right. and
1: so you just and and to the point we even have managers that were bringing people back in the weekend to backfill on kpis and CV sends and stuff yeah Right. Even though they were doing well, even though they were hitting numbers. So thank God we're moving along from that. Yeah. But I think the key point is that there are just these huge blind spots in the, in the customer narrative, mm-hmm. the conversation is still a significant part of originating pipeline and opportunity, and nobody's willing to have a conversation about how to uncover that blind spot. And it's because the best marketing budgets are winning the war for the minds right now. Yeah, winning the war for minds in, in an interesting place, not the place that you or I would necessarily have expected, and that's revops.
0: Yeah, well, it's just and again, revops is an interesting one in terms of for me, it's just sales enablement two or it's just the next iteration of what they should be. Back to my point around social selling, digital selling, modern selling, virtual selling, guided selling. It's just selling, right? <laughs> At the end of the day, it's just it's just sales. It's just selling.
1: Yeah. It was quite funny after you pushed the Forrester interview the other day, I read it and I thought it was really good actually. And I liked their perspective, but then it got me thinking, I went up into my back garden and I was taking a few swings to the golf club to to burn some energy. And, um, I was like, Christ, we haven't even cracked sales 1.0. We haven't even cracked ABM. We haven't even cracked ABS. And now we're jumping out to guided or asynchronous selling. Literally 1.1% of sales leaders in the world would have the capability to implement that next step change. There's still 95% of the market that hasn't even got to grips with a rationalized step-by-step process that they've got documented and written down. So why do we keep jumping so far ahead of ourselves?
0: I I agree. And I remember you know, when when Outreach got the valuation during the height, like you know, the, the height of the pandemic in the summer, it's like north of a billion. And I was like, what? People somewhere somewhere are either telling a really good story, or they think that this is this is the future of where it's all going to go. So either it's going to go, or it's going to go pop, and then people are going to have some egg on their faces. But you know, the sales forces and the you know Microsofts were never going to let that happen because they've just they can just swallow the 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 risk. I mean, everyone raised an eyebrow when. Microsoft bought LinkedIn for 26 billion, and I think it was worth like three on paper or something, something to that. Um,
1: yeah, it's about where you strategically place the premium, though. And so much of this is driven by the MBAs and Gilets rather than the actual <laughs> operators. You That's know, not a
0: Gilet you're wearing, though, is it?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm a keen wearer of a Gilet, but I wear 100 Gilets, I'm not Patagonia. So I think the key point there is, though, that it's really easy to model potential in the spreadsheet, but yeah. unless you actually understand the situation on the ground of what the actual total addressable market of your sales technology is. Mm-hmm. For me, the sales engagement platforms can only ever grow within the high growth company community, which is technology companies. Yeah. One of my benefits of speaking to so many people at connect and is actually we've got broad utility across most B2B segments, mm-hmm. industrial, capital goods, any of it. Yeah if I'm strategizing an outreach, my big conversation piece in the boardroom, if I was Manny Medina would be sitting there going, how do we create an inside sales and SDR culture for the big manufacturing companies? Yeah. Because they now have to create that to go and take that next market. Yeah. Whereas for something like Connect and Sell, we just say, do you put a premium on having conversations with people in your market? Do you want to make that more efficient, cheaper and easier? We don't have to create a category because it can apply to any salesperson in that organization
0: yeah
1: and that's kind of where these big valuations are painting themselves into a corner is they now need to go and create new categories in markets that would never ever consider using email as a channel
0: yeah it's 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 that's an interesting that's a really interesting point and I hadn't, you know, considered it from that point of view. And I'm learning all, you know, all the way, you know, listening to you and listening to, obviously, everyone in the sales boards kind of talk. And it just, it just said, comes full circle back to this tribalism that seems to be appearing on, bizarrely on social media, um, where people are saying, this doesn't work, but I'm going to talk about it on the platform that I say doesn't work, which then is like... <laughs> I am eternally grateful to LinkedIn because it does two
1: things for me. It allows me to have a voice, I'll never say social selling doesn't work because it does. I, I can attribute 18 to 19% of my pipeline from last year directly from LinkedIn
0: posts that I made. That's awesome.
1: But none from prospecting. Yeah. So I didn't do any social prospecting. I'd never used a, a message to go out and mm-hmm. introduce myself to somebody at all, unless I'd spoken to them and using Connect himself first. Yeah. But just those little snippets of insight around my activity or conversations that I had or thoughts, Nineteen percent of my number last year came from people going. I'm curious about this, Jerry. Can you tell me more about how you did it? Yeah, and that's that's awesome. That's twenty percent of my funnel. Another fifteen to twenty percent on inbounds. That then leaves me sixty percent on.
0: Yeah, it's and this this comes full circle back to the point around. It's it's every channel, right? It's not you you can't just put all your eggs into one basket because it's just not going to. You know going to to work so um it's it's been an absolute joy talking to you i could talk talk about this for forever um where, if you want to find out more about what connects and Cell does and absolutely please do because i've seen it i've seen the the tool in action there are youtube videos which i will um attach to this but um where can people find you jerry to learn more about what you can bring to them and how what you do can help drive pipeline so my uk number
1: is 7702 034081. I'm a willing acceptee of cold calls from people. So please feel free to call me. Uh, email address is jerry.hill at connectandsell.com or one word and then LinkedIn, Jerry Hill. Perfect. And Clubhouse, but I don't know what my handle is for that. So you might find me in Clubhouse with John. Now starting to toy with a bit
0: more. Yeah, don't, let's not get started on Clubhouse. I look yeah. at some of that. I just wonder how people are actually doing anything other than spending time on um, on Clubhouse.
1: I, I find it's really good just to listen in when I'm changing baby nappies yeah. and baby. Otherwise, I just treat it
0: like a podcast almost. No, it, it is. I've done that once and then I was invited to stage without realising I'd be invited to stage. Yeah. <laughs> it was better, but, oh, <laughs> You want me to actually say something? Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, awesome, Jerry. So in short, you know, cold calling isn't dead to your point. Everything's dead. If you you, know, you can't prove it works and you can't you know, attribute what you're trying to uh, trying to achieve, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. As ever, um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to be on this podcast, you know what to do. Um, just send me a message. Connect with me. Um, please do follow up and connect with uh, with Jerry. I'll be intrigued to find out if anybody has cold-called called him off the back of this. Um, <laughs> but uh, from Jerry. Awesome. Uh, thank you. I'll see you in WhatsApp. And for everybody else, uh, I'll see you next week on the next episode of this podcast. Thank you.